Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. I've got a word for you today. It's going to be good. Uh, this week I was, I was praying about what the Lord wanted me to share on, and um, I mentioned this last week, but we're not currently in, um, in a series. And sometimes it's kind of fun to do um, kind of popcorn messages. And, and so um, I have, I've always kind of have some sermon ideas and uh, uh, series ideas rolling around in the back of my head. Um, and I was processing a few of those. And then Monday morning, I kind of I got up early and was, uh, had to run a few errands. And I came home. And I was just kind of processing through some of these ideas that I had. And I was asking Emily about, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? I, I always try to externally process a little bit with her for the, for the message. And, and then she always gives me feedback, which is for your benefit. And uh, anyway, I was kind of tired because I got up early that morning. I laid, on, I laid on the floor and just kind of, okay, I'm going to meditate on some of these ideas and see what, see what the Lord's speaking. And as I laid on the floor, I actually fell asleep for... I think maybe just a couple minutes, and I ended up having like what I think is maybe a 15-second dream, just a quick dream, and I feel like the Lord gave me a word for you this morning. And this is, this is what I dreamt. This was my dream. I, I'm, I'm in this place, and there's, there's a little girl, and then there's a big, vicious dog. And the big, vicious dog um, starts running after this little girl, and they go around a corner, and so I'm like, oh, I got to get around that corner to help that little girl out. And as I round the corner and I look, the girl's sitting on the ground, but then she's holding like a puppy. So it's no longer this big, vicious dog anymore. And immediately I woke up and I felt like the Lord had a message. I, I believe I felt like the Lord had what uh, gave me what I had he wants me to um, share on this morning. So listen, we do have an adversary. How many know that? There is an adversary. This is a, a very real thing. This adversary of yours, he loves to harass you. He loves to kill. He loves to steal. He loves to destroy. Um, there is a for real spiritual battle, okay? But I came here today to tell someone that this adversary of yours is a defeated foe, okay? He is a defeated foe. And I came here to tell someone that his bark is always louder than his bite, all right? So the title of my message today is his bark, the bark is louder than the bite, all right? So many believers don't have a full understanding of this. It's kind of two sides of the same coin. We do need to, you know, the Bible says for us not to walk ignorantly of the fact that there is an adversary in this world. And we would do well to realize there is an adversary. On the other side of that same coin, we would do well to realize that he's a defeated foe and how to walk in our victory, okay? And so... Um, I thought about a few things to call this, this sermon. I landed on the, bow, the bark is louder than the bite. I thought about defeated foe, the devil is a loser, adversary. And then I thought two weeks in a row of pun sermon titles would, would get a little annoying. So we didn't land on that. But the word of the Lord today is that the enemy, his bark is louder than his bite. I believe God wants us this morning to have a correct perspective of this enemy of yours and this enemy of mine. I'm not, personally, I'm not a huge proponent of being like devil-focused all the time. I'm not a big proponent of that. Um, 
I think we should be more God-focused. Sometimes it feels like some Christians are so like darkness-focused. It's like, you know, let's focus on the light a little bit. Um, we shouldn't be so devil-focused. We shouldn't be so problem-focused. But at the same time, we should realize there is a spiritual battle. And we don't want to walk ignorant of this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Do not be ignorant of the enemy's tactics. The enemy of your soul has tactics. He has ways he tries to get to you. He has ways he tries to interfere in this world. There are tactics. And the Bible says, hey, don't be ignorant of these things. We need to be aware of the way he tries to come at us. Um, so, a little, let me give you an illustration. If, if you're in a war, if you're in a battle, how many know that it's a really good idea to study the enemy? It's a good idea to study the enemy, to know the way, that, what are the enemy's strengths? What, are this, what is this enemy's weakness? Okay, and I want to talk a little bit about that today. Um, but specifically, because I believe the word of the Lord today is that his bark is louder than his bite, I want to talk about um, five times in Scripture that the Bible says that Satan was demoted. And hopefully this will help you see your position before God, and this will help you see his defeated position before God. Okay, and actually we'll only get to three of them this week, and I think I'll touch on the other two uh, next week. The first point I have is by far the longest, but um, before we get rolling, I just want to say that Satan is not the opposite of God. Okay, it's not like God's light, he's darkness, and they're like, you know, equal playing field. There's absolutely no equal playing field here. Satan is not the opposite of God. Satan is a created being. He's a created being. Like you and me, we're created beings. Um, additionally, Satan is not omnipresent, nor does he possess any of the divine attributes. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. He's not omnipresent. He's not, he doesn't have an eternal beginning, an eternal end. I guess he has an eternal end, but not an eternal beginning. right? He doesn't possess any of the divine attributes. So a question that I thought... We, what I would just want to address real quick is, so how does he meddle in our lives if he's not everywhere at once like God is? And that is simply because he is part of a hierarchy. He's the lead um, demon of, a, of many demons, okay? So the, the fact that the enemy would meddle in our lives and their demonic things happen in America and in India and in you know, different parts of the world is because there's actually a structure of leadership happening there. But he's not on the same playing field as God, Okay. He's not the opposite of God. So five demotions I'm going to talk to you about today. Demotion number one is that Satan was kicked out of heaven. Now, some of you might not know this, and this is going to be a little bit teachy today. Is that okay? Is teaching, is teaching good? Okay, good. Satan was kicked out of heaven. Um, in the beginning, Satan had a place as an archangel in heaven. There's one of three archangels in heaven, uh, Michael and Gabriel and Lucifer, he was, in fact, he was the main worship leader in heaven. Satan, Satan was, Lucifer was the main worship leader in heaven. And uh, we're going to read uh, two, two sections of scripture, um, Isaiah 14 and, and Ezekiel 28. Um, these two sections of scripture, um, they're, they're prophecies um, speaking against two different kings but what I want you to see this morning is that it's not just a prophecy against these two kings. It's actually a prophecy against the spirit that is behind the kings. Does that make sense? 
Okay, and this is, this is actually, so the first one is um, in Isaiah 14. Uh, the king of Babylon is, is the first, it's a prophecy against the king of Babylon, but specifically the spirit that is behind the king of Babylon. The second one in Ezekiel 28 is the king of Tyre, and it's specifically talking about the spirit, which happens in this, in both cases, happens to be Satan himself, motivating and being behind these two leaders, okay? This is common in scripture. You know, uh, I'll give you an example that you all would probably remember. Remember when Jesus looked at Peter and he said, get thee behind me, Satan, right? He wasn't speaking to Peter. He was speaking to a spirit that was trying to do something through Peter, all right? Or many times when Jesus cast out demons, he, he spoke to the, leave. He wasn't speaking to the person to leave because how many know if you leave, you're not there anymore, <laughs> right? To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. So he, uh, many times this, is, this happens in scripture where God speaks to the spirit that's behind the person, okay? So Isaiah 14, 11, we'll start there. This is speaking to Lucifer. Your pomp is brought you down to Sheol, and the sound of your stringed instruments, and the sound of your stringed instruments. So the maggot is spread under you, the worms cover you. Okay, notice uh, stringed instruments. We'll just kind of make a mental note, stringed instruments. Okay, we'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, How you are cut to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Okay, so before Satan was called Satan, he was called Lucifer. Okay, Um, I was was studying this a little bit, but I looked up the Hebrew word for Lucifer, and it only occurs one time in the Bible. One one occurrence is right here. And it just simply means light bearer or shining one. Okay, so isn't that funny that the king of darkness initially was identified as a light bearer or the shining one because he was in charge of worship in heaven. He was the main worship leader in heaven. Interestingly enough, though, there's a root word for the word. So the word Lucifer in Hebrew only occurs once, means light bearer. The root word for that actually occurs 165 times in the Bible. And I'm going to say it. I think some of you might recognize this word. And we'll, we'll see if you guys recognize it. Okay, so here's the Hebrew word, halal. How many recognize that word? Halal. What does it mean? It means praise. So the, the root word for Lucifer, shining one, is praise. Isn't that crazy? So his initial job is an, um, was to be a worship leader in heaven, one who shines forth, who, who boasts, who, who gives glory and praise to God. Interesting thing about that word, too. It says, it says of sound, but usually of color. So there's actually this idea of not only an expression of sound, but an expression of, of beauty that's happening through worship. And so, um, yeah, so worship, of course, it's, it's, it's uh, music, but it can also be dance. It can also be art. It can also be, there, there's some truth to even the aesthetic of the room is a form of worship. When we do things with excellence, that's actually a form of worship, right? How many know that when, you know, when we're in worship, we kind of dim the lights a little bit. We try to make it... A little bit romantic in here, right? How many know when you go out on a date with your wife, candlelight is better than uh, the fluorescent lights, okay? So I digress, okay. So one of Lucifer's jobs was to bring praise to God in heaven. Okay, so why did he get kicked out of heaven? Um, Isaiah 14, 13 through 15. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. 
I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So Lucifer had this desire to be like God, right? Yet you shall be brought down low to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Okay, so Lucifer, this beautiful being who was a worship leader in heaven, he realized that he looked and sounded beautiful, looked and sounded amazing. God created him for that purpose, but to shine glory onto God, okay? And he thought, he has this preposterous idea. He's like, I look so good, I feel so good, I sound so good. Maybe, maybe some of this praise, maybe some of this worship that's happening, maybe some of this could be for me, right? Maybe it should all be for me. Maybe I should exalt my throne above God's throne, right? And immediately, you know, in the presence of a holy God, immediately when, there's, when iniquity is found, sin is found, immediately there, he was cast down. Immediately he was cast out of heaven. <clears throat> okay, so now jump over to Ezekiel. So we're on Isaiah. Now jump over to Ezekiel. Again, remember that this prophecy is against the king of Tyre. Um, but, but this section specifically is addressing the spirit behind the man, okay? Which in this case happens to be Satan. Ezekiel 28, verse 12. It says, The son of man, take up a lamentation against the, uh, the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, either the king of Tyre is a really good-looking dude and really smart and... Uh, yeah, or maybe this is talking about someone else, right? Uh, verse, verse 13, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Okay, this is how we know it's not talking to the, a king at that time. You were in Eden, the garden of God. There's only four people in the garden of God that the Bible mentions. Of course, there was God in, in Eden. There was Adam, there was Eve, and then there was Lucifer. Okay, so it cannot be talking about a man who was born many, many uh, thousands of years later and actually in a different part of the world as well, okay? You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, I think, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. Watch this. The workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Remember, timbrels and pipes. We'll come back to that in a minute as well. Watch this. Verse 14. You were the anointed cherub. Cherub is an angel. You were the anointed cherub who covers. So angel who covers. Okay, an angel who's in charge, an angel who's in authority. You were anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Watch this. Till iniquity was found in you. You were perfect in the... In your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Verse 16. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. I'll pause real quick on verse 16. By the abundance of your trading. The word trading there, if you study that out in Hebrew, it's, um, it's not just talking about, you know, people who trade things or whatever. It's actually like, if I, say example, um, I'll be, I guess I'll be the devil in this situation. Um, <laughs> Say, for example, you own a store. You own a, let's call it a shoe store. Okay, your last name's Bundy. Just kidding. What was the show? No? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, you own a shoe store. That's such a tangent. What's the guy's first name? Ted? Al Bundy. Ted Bundy was someone else. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, I don't know where you're going with it. Al Bundy. Okay, Married with Children. It's a horrendous show. Don't ever watch it. I don't even know if it's on anymore. 
That's worse than Al Bundy. It's Ted Bundy. Okay. So, you own a shoe store. Maybe we should change it to a different store. Candy, you own a candy store, all right? Uh, you own a candy store. I work for you, and I'm at the register. And so, the word here that um, by the abundance of your trading, the word here speaks of a person who, is, who takes money and, and, and sells, you know, sells something. But how many know that the money that I'm taking, because I'm working the register, that money doesn't belong to me, okay? It belongs to you, right? Now, if I think, I'm going to take some of that, I'm going to put it in my pocket, how many know that's stealing, right? This is exactly what happened with Satan. He was the worship leader in heaven. He's supposed to be glorifying and praising God, and he's, there's an interaction of worship to the throne, but then he thought, you know what? I'll take some of that. I'll have some of that. And God said, you're out, Okay? So it says, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, or O lead angel, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Okay, what was Satan's original sin? His original sin was pride. His original sin was, I want to be puffed up and I want to be, I want to be bigger and I think some of this glory should belong to me. And he tried to steal some of the praise or all of the praise and, and exalt himself over the throne of God, which seems to me like a really bad idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, God, I never want to take praise from you. It's all yours. All the glory is yours. Amen. Remember last week, we read in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, God resists the proud, Right, but he gives grace to the humble. This is why I think the sin of pride is so serious, because this was Satan's original downfall was pride. This is why it's so nasty and ugly in our lives. And listen, Satan was not, um, I'm sorry, Adam and Eve were not the original sinners. Eve was not the original sinner, and Adam wasn't the original sinner. Actually, Satan was the original sinner. Okay, and that original sin was pride. Okay, verse 13, I want to go back to this real quick. It says, the workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes was prepared for you, or some translations say in you. The King James, I believe, says prepared in you on the day you were created. Okay, timbrels um, is basically like a percussion instrument, right? We have a percussion instrument here that Matt plays. Okay, that's a, um, that's a timbrel or a, or a tambourine, which further shows that tambourines are demonic. Just kidding. They're not demonic. They're great. Listen, a tambourine's a great instrument. But I will say, it's a great instrument. But it's really just, it pulls the whole worship team off when someone has a tambourine in the room. It does, does it not? It'll pull the whole worship team off of like beat. That's why we don't typically like that. Okay, so timbrels, percussion instruments, okay. Um, your pipes, these are wind instruments, instruments that you blow, flew, uh, blow through. Many times in scripture, this is interpreted as a flute. Now, so you have your, your percussion instruments, your wind instruments, and then remember back in Isaiah 14, it talked about your stringed instruments, right? So you have percussion instruments, wind instruments, stringed instruments that, that the Bible says that Satan, Lucifer, had. Um, some translations say within himself. In other words, maybe he didn't just have these instruments. They were actually part of him, okay? By the way, Percussion instruments, wind instruments, and stringed instruments makes up all of instruments. All instruments fall in one of those three categories. Okay? And, and King James says it was prepared in, in him. So he was, 
created as this worship leader, which makes some sense because actually we have, we have um, instruments created in us, like our vocal cords. Those are chords, right? Stringed instrument. How many, when you clap your hands, that's a percussion instrument. When you eat too much beans, that's a wind instrument. Or, okay, you can whistle too. Well, we're also good. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing up here, guys. We're having fun. Okay, Lucifer, he became proud and he was cast out of heaven. So that was demotion number one. That was by far the longest point I'm gonna make. That was devotion. He was in heaven. He was cast out of heaven because of his pride. That's demotion number one. But Satan was cast down, but I wanna say something to you this morning. You've been brought near. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, verse six, that we are seated, you and I are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So I wanna say something to you this morning. You might be this adversary, there might be problems coming against you, but I want you to know this adversary of yours has been cast to this earth, but you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You have dual citizenship. Yes, you're sitting here right now, but you, ask, you also have a rightful place seated within, in Christ in heaven. Come on, that's good stuff right there. And this is true no matter what you're going through today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what problems you're facing. I don't know how the enemy's trying to harass you, but his bark is louder than his bite. You have a rightful place in heaven. He has been cast down. So just get that perspective right now. You're up here. He's way down here, okay? All right, that's point number one. Point number two, demotion number two, I should say. The first one was that he was cast out of heaven. The second demotion of Satan is that he lived with a sense of impending doom after Genesis chapter three, okay? Ever since Genesis chapter three, Satan lived with a sense of impending doom. In Genesis 3, Adam, uh, Satan had tempted Adam and Eve and actually got them to sin. This was a, um, whoa, I'm gonna let that go. Just leave it be. Lesson learned, don't put that up here. Okay, in Genesis chapter three, um, Satan got Adam and Eve to sin. This was a valid attempt by Satan to take rulership of the earth. Why? Why, is that, why was that the case? Because Adam and Eve had been given dominion over the earth, okay? So this is a valid attempt. And initially, this attempt did succeed, but how many know that God had a plan? And his plan was first foreshadowed when there was a, there was a um, God pronounced a curse over this adversary in Genesis chapter three. Now, before I read, read what this curse was, I wanna pause and say, Satan actually is a demonic spirit, but at this time in Genesis three, he was manifesting as um, a serpent, which is pretty fitting for him, you know, he's, He's low, like low to the earth, right? So he's manifesting as a serpent in this time. Um, sometimes, just as a, a side note, sometimes Satan masquerades as an angel of light, right? Sometimes he takes on the form of different things. I think it's interesting that in the Bible it says that in the last days, people will call good evil and evil good. So evil will be masqueraded as something good and good will be, brought, um, be thought of as something evil, right? That's Satan masquerading as an angel of light. So he takes on different forms at different times to bring deception into the world. So uh, Genesis chapter three, verses 14, it says this. Um, so this is after he had caused Adam and Eve to sin. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. 
Okay, this is the, the curse of the enemy. You will eat dust all the days of your life. Metaphorically speaking, this curse um, speaks of the impending doom that Satan had to walk in from that point forward. Okay, you will crawl on your belly all the days of your life. Um, <clears throat> side note, if a snake ever talks to you, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Don't listen to that thing. If there's one thing we can learn from this, if a snake ever talks to you, don't listen. Okay. All right, look what else God said to the devil. Verse 15. I will, watch this. I will put enmity, or hostility, between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Watch this. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Okay, this is the first foreshadowing of the Messiah to come. So it's talking about, I will put enmity between her offspring and your offspring. He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Yes, Satan will bruise the heel of the Messiah, but the Messiah will completely crush his head. And from this point forward, there's an impending doom for the serpent, for the enemy, okay? This is good news for you and me, by the way, okay? This first foreshadowing of the Messiah to come is really good news for you and me. And, it's, and from that point forward, Satan had a sense of impending doom from that time forward, okay, that he would be defeated. Um, Revelation chapter 12, 12, it says that um, Satan had been cast to the earth and he was filled with fury because he knows his time is short. Okay, he knows his time is short. What does that mean to you and me? I wanna say this to you. No matter what you're going through, it won't last forever. It can't last forever, no matter what you're going through. And probably the problem that you're facing right now is probably being magnified bigger than it actually is. Okay, it's probably you're making it a bigger deal than it actually is. And it can't last forever. It won't last forever. In fact, Satan, thank you guys. I'm gonna drink some of this too. Satan is actually furious when his plans for you fail. When he comes against you and that plan for you doesn't work, it doesn't come to fruition, doesn't come to pass, he is furious when that plan fails. Sorry, you know what? I should have learned my lesson. I'm gonna put my water not here. We need, we need a cup holder or something up here. <clears throat> okay. All right, point number, so um, point number two was he had to live with a sense of impending doom from that time forward, Genesis chapter three, after God had pronounced a curse over him of the coming Messiah. And then uh, demotion number three is that Satan was defeated on the cross, okay? So he's demoted, come on! It's good stuff right there. <laughs> Satan was defeated on the cross. So there's a sense of impending doom up to the cross, and then he was actually defeated on the cross. Let me say this to you this morning. Everything that needed to be done to disarm the enemy has been done, and it was done on the cross. Okay? Everything that can be done to make you right with God has been done by Jesus on the cross, okay? You don't have to add to it. It is by grace, through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, amen? amen? Let me read this. Colossians chapter two, verses 13 through 15, it says this. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken away, nailing it, to the cross, paid in full. Come on, watch this, verse 15. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, 
triumphing over them on the cross. Okay? So all the power of the enemy, all the authority of the enemy, he made a public spectacle of those things, triumphing over them on the cross, dying for our sins, being buried for three days, and, and being raised from the dead. Okay? Everything that can be done has been done to defeat the enemy, and it was done on the cross. Now, do we see a full manifestation of this currently in our lives? I don't know about you, but I sense the tension sometimes, right? Have the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God? Not yet. They haven't fully become yet. We are in a place where it's only a matter of time. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. I can assure you that. That will happen someday. It's only a matter of time. Listen, during, during uh, World War II, there was a, a real turning point in that war. And it was when the Allied forces had gained total air superiority over the region. Once they had air superiority, it didn't matter how many ground troops, tanks, or different things were down there. Once they had full air superiority, they could do anything they wanted. And bombing raids went unchecked. No one could stop them. And it was only a matter of time. Even though the war drug on for probably another year and a half after the Allied forces gained total air superiority, it was only a matter of time. Okay, listen, we have gained total air superiority over the enemy. And it is only a matter of time before the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of your God. Okay, it's good news to you. So whatever you're going through, it's good news to you. No matter who's facing you, he's a defeated foe. And we all, we all ultimately have won and will win. Amen? Okay. Next week, I want to talk more about how to enforce that victory. Okay? How many know that even though there's a police force here in Greeley, people still break laws, right? So there's a matter it needs enforced. There's a victory that we have in our lives that needs to be enforced. I want to talk about how to enforce this victory through the life of the believer. This is a further demotion of the enemy. When you and I enforce this victory, this is to further his humiliation. When you and I walk in authority and power over the one who tried to have power, right? When God made <laughs> humans in his likeness and image and, and Satan just wanted to be God like God, guess what? He already made you and I like him, right? We are children of God. It doesn't say anywhere in scripture that angels are children of God. Humans are children of God. This furthers his humiliation. Do you ever wonder why God would send the serpent to the earth and then put humans there? It wasn't just so like he would trick us or something like that. It was actually so that, you know what? I'm not gonna just cast you to the earth and defeat you. I'm gonna raise up children in my likeness image. They're gonna have authority and they're gonna defeat you. Come on, that's you and I. And I'm gonna talk about that next week. But I will, I will close with this story. Um, on the 4th of July, um, I ran, I actually, I've only ran one race this year. I did a uh, 4th of July 5K. And um, it's kind of been a rough year for my wife and I. She's had surgery. We got rear-ended. She broke her neck. And I've had some heel pain from running and stuff like that. So it's been kind of a, a rough year. So I haven't been racing as much. I haven't even been training as much. But 4th of July rolls around. I'm like, I want to I do a 5K. I'm going to kind of test myself a little bit. I'm trying to get back into the swing of things. And my um, youngest daughter, Evie, um, I was like, hey, do you want to run the 4th of July 5K with me? She's like, sure. And so we get down there, we get signed up, and um, I tell her, I was like, hey, I kind of want to test myself, see, where I, see what I can do today, and would you mind, can you run this by yourself? Just follow the people, you'll be good, right? 
And she's like, sure. So, so the race starts, and I run, and, and I, you know, she, she follows. And so <clears throat> um, it wasn't a great race for me. Like, I, did, I was feeling, like, the, the pain of not being in the greatest shape ever. And um, I actually dry heaved a little bit at the end, <laughs> like, like the last, you know, uh, last tenth of a kilometer or whatever. Um, so it was, it was a rough race. I ran like a 23.53, which for me is not a very good time, okay? Um, so the race is over, and I, I come to the finish line. And I'm like, I'm going to go back. I'll run like back, and then I'll catch up with her, and then I'll finish with her. So I run back about a half mile, find her, and then I finish with her. And then Emily's at the end, and so they do the parade later that day, right? So um, we forgot to bring some chairs with us, but we're going to set up camp right there at the finish line. So I'm like, I'll run home and grab chairs, and I'll come back, and we'll, and we'll uh, watch the parade. Well, while I'm gone, I, I come back with the chairs, and Emily's like, hey, um, Evie, Evie won a prize. She won first place for girls 10 and under. And so I have... I have, I, have a, I have a cup here that says first place female, 10 and under. This is what she won. Isn't that nice? <laughs> so I go, really? She won first place? I'm like, you know, I know a lot of 10-year-olds that are pretty fast. I'm like, I don't want to break this one, so I'm going to put it down here. <laughs> I'm like, really? She won first? Okay. Um, wow. Um, you know, I know she walked a little bit, and... I'm kind of surprised. I'm like, what was, what was her time? And my wife goes, it was like a, a 23.53. And I was like, uh, that's my time. That's the time I ran. Like they, they switched our numbers or something like that. And she got credit for the time that I ran. Okay. What's, yeah. That's actually mine, guys. <laughs> I, beat, I beat all the 10-year-old girls and, and, young, and younger by like 11 minutes, I will say. Okay. The bad news is that race sucked for me. The good news is I still beat all the 10-year-old girls and, or younger. Okay. There's a point to what I'm saying here. This is the point I'm saying. <laughs> Listen, your father ran a race that you get credit for, okay? Jesus, Jesus ran a race that we get credit for, okay? He defeated the enemy 100% on the cross, and we get credit for that race, amen? That's for you, that's for me. I don't know what you're going through today, but we have a defeated foe, amen? And one day the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God, and every sickness, pain, sin, Injustice will be dealt with, okay? Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us and we hope you have a blessed week.